This episode has been recorded live at the latest Wolf Summit event in Vienna. Chris and I were at Shoebox Picked Stitch. If you look up what three words and input these three words, you'll find out exactly where we were. What Three Words is a fantastic business who raised media capital from some of the largest media investors, including ITV Adventures, Channel 4 Ventures in the UK, German Media Pool in Germany, and most recently, they closed a $10 million media deal with Brain Capital International to scale their brand in India. Some of these names may sound familiar, as we have interviewed them earlier on the Media Capital Show. So I invited Chris, CEO and co-founder, to join me live in Vienna and talk about his journey of building What Three Words for the past 10 years and how the brand is now recognized in almost all corners of the globe due to his media capital investments. That was an award-winning ad. Which, which campaign was, was that one? Um, so, I mean, we produced a lot of that ad in-house, um, yeah. and uh, it's got classic British awkwardness, uh, was kind of the, uh, the theme that we went for, uh, which I hope came across uh, two people uh, just awkwardly at a door, not really saying what each other thought. Um, but yeah, it's, it's now won a bunch of um, awards for creativity about highlighting the problem of bad addresses, which is what we, what we hope to fix with What Three Words. So on that, on that note, I mean, I think everyone knows that you, with what three words, you basically just divided the world on a three by three square meter. I think that's pretty easy to understand. But how does it, how does it actually work? Sure. So, I mean, what three words is pretty well known in the UK, but may not be so well known here. So I'll just explain the concept that we take the whole world and we divide it into these squares, as you say, of three meters by three meters. There are 57 trillion three meter squares in the world. And we name each one with a combination of three words. So something like table, chair, spoon, or coffee, banana, custard, literally. But it's actual, yeah, they actually are, exist. These, these are yeah. the actual names of our three meter squares. So everybody here's house, we have named with three words for your front door, for your back door. They are unique, they are fixed, you can't change them. Every, every three meter square in the ocean, the North Pole, they've all been named. And we do this because we think it is easier than a latitude and longitude, which is 16 digits, which is quite complicated for the average human brain to remember. So just by saying index home raft, I'm now talking about a three meter square in the world somewhere. And I can use that for my delivery to put in my car navigation, just like you would do a normal address. And if you live somewhere like I do on a farm in the UK where your address points to the middle of a field, uh, we don't get any of our deliveries at my house. No one ever finds my house. Um, it can be very useful for you. Um, in many places, addresses work. That's okay. But in many places, addresses don't work. And that's why we think that three words for three meters is a nice global solution. Yeah. Or you can use it probably as a board game, as I recently did with some friends. Um, we basically just came up with a, a random combination of three words. We found that actually existed. And then the other person start guessing where that location was. Yes, it's a good way to get to grips with what we do. You can literally type in any three yeah. words into our app, and you might find that that refers to a tree in Finland, uh, because yeah, pretty much any three dictionary words combination will refer to somewhere. So that's it is how the system works. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I think it's quite interesting for everyone to know how you started because you have a really interesting background. We talked about that a lot. I don't know what's with musicians these days. I feel like some of the world's like, largest entrepreneurs, I know Paul Allen, Steve Wozniak, they're all, you know, they were musicians at heart. And I know that was basically how you originally started. So how, how this actually all started for you? How did you come up with what three words and what were you doing before then? So um, firstly, as I said, no one can find my house. And after years and years, that gets to you uh, if no one can find your house. And then um, I started a music business. Uh, we did music for events around the world uh, for 10 years. And musicians, you're always going somewhere new every day. And you're often trying to find the back entrance of a stadium or some entrance to a festival up a country road where there's no name. And I was the guy giving the schedules out. And I would always have to put, you know, follow this postcode, but then turn left because it's not right. Um, and I tried to get the London music business to adopt what, uh, GPS coordinates and failed. Guitarists don't like using GPS coordinates, I found. And so I guess my idea was, can we find a way of simplifying this so that my musicians, my mum, anyone um, can use something as precise as latitude and longitude, but it's much simpler. So I chatted it through with my friend who's a mathematician, and his brain was great. He just said, let's use sequences of dictionary words, and I think there's enough combinations of three words to fill every three meter square in the world. Turns out he was right. And that's how the idea was born, and I just thought, that's awesome. Let's run with it. So we did. And this was how many years ago? Was it this was 2013, well, nine years ago. Nine years ago. So, you are, you're playing in a really interesting market. I think, I don't know what the audience thinks about right now, but probably when you think about GPS coordinates, you might be thinking of Google Maps, I guess. So it's a very, um, it's one of those markets that we call like winner takes it all, I guess. And for, for what three words to really work, you need the power of consumers on your side. And I think your approach, your, your team's approach to marketing is quite, I guess less conventional than what we see with the usual B2B companies. How, how did you come, yeah, how, how did that come about? So, um, yeah, what three words, and it's a good clarification when you say people think about uh, maps and, and, and mapping apps. So we don't make maps, we don't make navigation, we just made a layer of uh, three words that convert to coordinates and that's it. So we work alongside those products. So what we're trying to get people to use is our system, not so much an app. We do have an app called What Three Words, where people can find the three words for your house. But really what we're trying to get people to buy into and have awareness about is that the system exists. And for that, you need widespread consumer marketing. So when we started, people would say, that's a neat idea, three words for three meters. That's kind of elegant. Um, but you know, I'll use it when someone else uses it. It's, it's one of the biggest uh, chicken and egg network effect kind of problems you have to solve. You make a neat idea, but everyone has to use it. And so to achieve that, we have, we have realized and understood, and you try a few things when you start, you need widespread consumer adoption. You then need places for people to use it, because our app alone is not enough. They need to be able to use it in their delivery app and their car navigation system and their ride-hailing app. Otherwise, they don't have real-world use cases for it. So we had to do all of this at the same time. We cut the business in two. One half deals with consumer, one half deals with business. But the consumer bit has to come first. 
And now in the UK, what three words is basically a household name. If you know somebody who's British, I'm pretty sure they'll know what three words. And then it makes it massively easier to get the business side uh, working. So when you originally started promoting what three words and increasing the app in stores and the awareness, you probably thought of, okay, we're going to use digital channels like any other startup does. But then you probably very soon realized this will only get me that many in stores or that much awareness. And then you took that leap towards TV advertising with Channel 4. I was back in 2018 or? So, um, we did a bit of a mixture. So we did yeah. digital channels, 2018, 2019. We also had a huge boost from our emergency services in the UK. 85% um, of police, fire, and ambulance services, you can call 999. You, if someone has a heart attack in a forest, you can say, I need help now at word, word, word. They have it in their control room systems, and they will come and rescue you. And they also generate a lot of publicity for us and tell the public, have this app on your phone. And so that was an amazing publicity driver, and so was our digital channels. And right when we were going really big on digital, as anyone who runs digital ads will know, you know your, your cost will rise as you do, your creative starts to fatigue. Um, and then we were thinking, huh, okay, we need to do more than just digital. And it was a bit of good fortune we got an email from Channel 4 saying, would you consider media for equity, which is not a model that we knew about, but we were thinking, hey, we might have to do TV. We don't really know so much about TV. Um, but then we spoke to them and we said, well, look, this could be an interesting model for, for where we're at. Were you skeptical at first? or your team was about TV advertising? I think when, you, when you're used to starting with digital, as companies these days are, you get these amazing metrics of all the platforms. You'll know exactly what hours your ads were served, to who, how long they watched it for, what they did afterwards. And then when you look at what TV offers you, which is kind of, it goes out for this month, um, and you just sort of look at the month stats, you, your immediate skepticism is, um, wow, this is really like vague reporting. How do you know if this works or not? Um, and you have to spend a lot of money because you've got to spend, you know, 100 grand plus to make your ad. You've then got to spend a decent amount to just try it. And if it doesn't work, that's a really expensive experiment. So I think that was our skepticism. We sort of knew and hoped it worked. Um, our CMO and people in our marketing team um, had been veterans of the advertising industry when TV was a really central part of any consumer campaign. So we had a good feeling it was going to work, but you're obviously just a bit itchy to go, okay, can we make the jump from digital and the amazing stats to TV uh, where it's going to be more of an experiment. But I guess doing it for media for equity, um, the way that it was offered, um, you get a discount, which is good because the TV channel wants to sell ad space. Um, and so we thought, great, if it's discounted, we'll work really closely with them. They'll be invested in us. We can, we can closely monitor this campaign, get some good stats. Um, we'll give it a try. And it worked really well. Our first campaign we did with Channel 4 was amazingly successful. And then we thought, okay, this model works. Do you remember what, what stage were you at in the company's growth when you first did the one with Channel 4? So we had raised our Series C, we'd raised the first part of our Series C round, and so okay. this then became an extra part of our Series C round um, right. on top of that. 
So when, when you say that the campaign was successful, um, and obviously you start, the Channel 4 one was the first one, and then uh, ITV, I think, happened just a couple of years late, 2020, I believe. And then German media pool followed um, shortly after that. And most recently, India, Brent, Brent Capital International. I mean, clearly there is, <laughs> the first one probably worked really well, and you try to replicate it. It's quite, what I like, basically, about the way you approach this is that you, when you go into a massive market, for example, like India, you also had that media growth engine supporting you already. So it's, you, you use that to also launch in the, in the market, right? Um, what were the things that it felt like it was working for you? And what kind, how, how, in what way you benefited from this? So when we did the first campaign with Channel 4, we ran an ad which was very focused on emergency services um, and why you should have the app on your phone. And that's a classic direct response ad. You want people to see the ad, take an action, which in our case is download your app. So the way that we could get good stats is that you just look at your app installs 10 minutes after your ad runs, and you need to get the timings back off the TV company. Not always simple, but you can get it. Um, and you get, effectively, you end up with a cost per install on TV, which sort of resembles what you would get on a digital platform. And we found that um, already in the UK, given that the country had been exposed to what three words for emergency services, seeing our ad on TV would tip people over into going, okay, I'm now gonna download the app. So that very first campaign was very measurable because of the purpose of the ad was download it now. Um, ones that we've done after that, and let's say in other countries like Germany, when we're using TV as a mechanism to start our market entry, is we wanna build a bit of awareness you're not necessarily saying download, download, you just want to explain the system. And whilst three words, three meters can sound simple, it's, it can be tough to get that across in a 30 second ad. So you're just trying to explain a system and not necessarily want the viewer to do anything. Ideally, they then see a digital ad from us in, this, in the same week and then might download the app. So you start to measure it differently by doing um, user awareness polls to go, how many of the countries are aware of us, this kind of thing. So the German strategy has been a little bit different. Um, and we also <clears throat> started doing other channels. So we would do outdoor um, as well. There'd be billboards around key German cities. That also helped us with our business deals we were doing in Germany because, because your business uh, contacts uh, will see them as well. So it's, it hasn't been like for like in the different markets. And actually, the ad that you just played in the UK, that as an ad which has worked for us really well because now pretty much everyone in the UK knows what What Three Words does. So it was the first time we decided we're not going to explain our system in an ad. We're going to have two awkward people talking about a delivery problem and just go straight into the assumption that everyone knows what we do. And at that point, you get to have a bit more fun because if you're just explaining a concept, you've, you've got a limited... Um, ability to have fun if it's if it, you're explaining a concept, but now we have a bit more fun because we assume knowledge of the system. So these campaigns have all been slightly different. Yeah, and I think I mean what you just said now um, about the original campaign and being more practical at explaining what the product does. I think this is where TV is quite um, successful when you have more of a difficult business model, perhaps, or you're a marketplace, or you're building, I don't know, a fintech app. Um, I mean. Klarna, for example, did some TV campaigns, and actually just before Pinterest did their own, it was a time in 2013, I remember, even Facebook and Twitter had 
TV ads. So I think that's, that's really great. Um, when the campaign you did in India, I think that's pretty interesting because um, it's not just about consumers, is it? I mean, you, you can have some of the most strategic partners just coming across your billboard and like, hmm, what is what three words? Let me check this out. Have you, what was your experience like? I mean, such a different market from everything that you've done in Europe so far. It is, and um, India, yeah, billion people. So to get consumer network effect where everyone's heard of you is pretty tough if you're in a, trying to do a market of a billion people. So what we're trying to achieve is some good level of consumer adoption, but also interest and awareness amongst our business targets. And so with the Times of India group, which is Brand Capital International, who we did that deal with, a lot of their media assets are business focused. So the Times of India newspaper is read by the business community. So we will do a lot of ads in there, as, as well as um, stuff which general consumers will see. And then, for example, airport billboards. Airport billboards, we're a bit unsure of, never done them before, but they're great. People are sitting bored, normally, waiting for their flight, and they'll just be staring at your ad. And our system actually works very well for it, because it's quite conceptual. It's like three meters, three words, people are just staring at it, like, what is this? Then they'll take the time to download the app, play around. Um, so it's been a remarkably effective a tool for us. And, and of course, the, the people who are flying regularly more likely to be business people. So again, um, once that call comes in from us to a delivery company in India going, do you want to make more precise deliveries with what through words? They're like, yeah, I've been reading all about this. I do. And, and they have a chat with us. Um, and then they say, how many consumers have you got? And you say, well, a lot, because we've been running consumer ads around the country. So that campaign and the sheer volume of assets that Brand Capital International or Times of India have is really good um, for a company like us who are trying to do half consumer, half business in a single campaign. Um, I've got, I just got so many questions to ask because we, I know so much about what three words and um, I, I know you know all the different campaigns that you, you guys you know you've been using um, I'm just mindful of the people listening especially if you are uh, maybe a first-time founder you're just thinking about okay media for growth it's an interesting concept how do I even get started or what are the things that not everyone really talks about uh, like what are the things that you you felt like after doing the first campaign with Channel 4 you've learned, like for example, creatives, um, I think like it's such an important part of your campaign. It could literally just break your campaign. You could make it or break it. And it's not cheap, is it? And sometimes you have to factor that in the cost for creating those creatives. Yeah, so I guess one thing I've learned, I mean, it's very helpful to us, like um, of our 170 people at What Three Words, a lot of them work in our marketing team, uh, maybe 40 or 50 or something, which is a pretty big marketing team. We're making a lot of assets in-house. And so what we'll often do before we put it on TV is we will, um, we will run a few variations of it on digital channels, of which you get same-day feedback. And you go, is variant A better than variant B? So by the time you actually send your asset to the TV channel and go, this is yours for one month, it's locked in, you've got some feedback based on how it performs on digital channels. But it doesn't follow that an ad which works well on digital will work well on TV or vice versa. But you're still just getting some kind of feedback if you've got a good engine that you can go in um, straight away. And if you do good translation and localization, you can even go, right, how does it work in UK? How does it work in Germany? or other markets and just pick up some data 
which makes you adjust your ad a bit, calls to actions, anything like that, before you take the plunge about going um, forward. But I would say for any companies thinking about doing media for equity, media for growth, I would say be really pretty experienced at running digital and about that engine, making creative, knowing what works for your company. Otherwise, if you get it wrong, it's gonna be expensive. Um, if you if you put a lot of money into one TV campaign and you haven't got it right. Did you experience any hiccups or moments where you felt like, mm, that didn't really work out the way we wanted? Um, yes, actually when we when we ran one, we, we sort of copied and pasted our UK ad in the US. Um, different actors, US setting, it wasn't it wasn't literally running these the same ad. But I would say um, it didn't quite have the same ping to it as, as it did in the UK in terms of the results. And I think localization is really hard. Um, I can think something's really funny because I'm British and I can think that Americans will find it funny and I can be wrong. Um, and if you make an ad in Japanese or Korean, um, I don't speak those languages and you have to put a lot of faith in the people that you're hiring to tell you that your ad is funny, especially if you're going for a funny ad. Um, and it's really odd not being able to validate it yourself, which is kind of why I'd say it's extra important to, to run more tests. But yeah, I think that there are some and, and you know, we're, we're, we're scaling up in six countries simultaneously, running at the speed of light, making all this creative, localizing it all. Some have worked better than others, we're, but I would say 90% are working really well. 10% you look at and go, we could have done that better. But I'm pretty happy with that ratio given the, the rate we're going, the speed we're going, and we have a really, really good marketing team, creative team who, who generally get this stuff right first time that we're very grateful for. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, your team is amazing and extremely efficient, and we, we, talked, about, we talked about that actually at length. I just, when it comes to the media funds that you partner with or the media broadcasters, um, apart from the actual transaction, that's that would happen in probably a very traditional fundraising round, is there anything that you felt like you felt supported with or is it just simply just the media that you receive from them or do they act more as a strategic investor to, to your company? Um, I definitely think that they they treat you very well in terms of helping you get the best um, campaign. And as someone coming into this who didn't know much about TV advertising before, and you know you can be just given your TV slots, and if you're not sure what you're hoping for, um, that's going to be difficult. But what they'll they'll really try and do is get you spots with diverse reach. So what, basically what you don't want to do is just be on the same ad break at 11.30 p.m. every day in the same show. You're going to hit 20,000 people many, many, many times who are going to get very bored of your ad. So that's one end of the extreme. What you want to do is couple that with getting your big Saturday night, everyone's on the sofa um, show where you reach a huge part of your population once and you want to really push for those slots. Um, and get them. And so I think just having a better strategic relationship with the media owner, you talk through that, you say, hey, what's coming up? And, you know, in our case, it was things like, you've got the football Euros, the World Cup coming up, and you go, wow, a lot of people are going to be watching that, can we get this spot? And they will fight for you internally to make sure that their portfolio company gets that spot. If you're just a cash-paying customer, 
it is harder to get the same and you might just be having to take that three in the morning slot that you didn't really want. Um, so it's, it's a non-exact science is kind of what I've learned about this world. Um, and if, if the media owner isn't your investor, A, you get the discount, um, and B, you're generally going to get probably a better set of programming. I mean, obviously, because I guess it's, you know, they have vested interest clearly in your company then, so they want to make, make that happen. Um, perhaps this question should have come a bit earlier in the conversation, but if we relate to any deal, you don't, you don't even have to mention it. Um, can you walk us through how that actually works, maybe from the due diligence to setting up the media value transaction itself, just so that everyone understands practically how it works? Yeah, so actually a media for equity deal is slightly more complicated than pretty much every other deal you do. Not insurmountably, but you're effectively doing two deals. Um, you're doing one, uh, and it's kind of odd because you're sort of selling to each other. You're selling them the investment, they're trying to sell you ad space. And so you have these sort of funny phone calls where you're sort of co-selling co to each other. Um, but the, the general structure is to make two deals, but also link them. And just things about when shares are issued is a bit non-conventional because normally you would do an investment deal, money comes in, shares are issued. That's not quite the same in media for equity. And if you've got existing investors who are not familiar with the model, they might look at it and go, that's a bit odd. Um, how is this structured? And, and then they need a time to get comfortable with how it's structured. Um, and so also having done probably five of these deals now, they have five totally different contract models for how these I are done. I guess it's different in every country. Right? Uh, it's different in every country, and even in countries, it's different in every case. Um, also something to bear in mind with Media for Equity, sometimes you get 100% in that no cash changes hands. Um, and sometimes it's a bit and, bit and both. You might have 80-20, so you have to pay 20% of it in cash, and you pay 80% of it in your shares, something like that. So all of these are slightly different deal by deal. Um, it's a bit complicated, but it's not, it's not insurmountable. You, you'll get there, but I think I wouldn't assume it's just a quick, hey, yeah. sign the last docs everybody signed. It's, it's not going to be like that. And what you just said right now about, I think that's perfectly the way you describe it. Essentially, you are, you know, they're trying to sell you advertising space. You're basically trying to explain how much of an attractive investment opportunity you are. But another thing that I found interesting from, I mean, speaking to you and other founders is, do you find it difficult to get into one of those meetings and you have the founder cap and you're thinking about valuation and investments and you approach that as an investment opportunity and then your CMO comes and like, mm, but we need this much and this much to actually get to that point. Has there ever been a, some kind of contradiction between how much you actually need for the marketing company, but how much you actually want to raise in line with your company valuation, how much you want to give away? Yeah, it, it's a fair point um, because the media owners who do these deals, they want to normally do kind of a specific range of money. And often as the startup, you probably want to go smaller as well. You want to do a smaller test, yeah. check it works, and then do more. And they maybe want you to commit more at the start. So you have to try and find a middle, a middle ground in there. Um, and I think, yeah, just that, that notion of um, also the split. So, you, so with some of the media owners, then there's some TV, some radio, some out of home. And their deals are structured in a way where you're probably encouraged to do that split in a way that suits them. And you have to then push back if you think that your product is going to go in a different way. 
I mean, also one example with us, what three words is a concept, it might have taken me about a minute to explain it at the beginning of this, a minute and a half. And um, to tr when in some markets, people go, well, adverts are normally 15 seconds in this market. And we say, we cannot explain what three words in 15 seconds. It's not possible. We've tried it many years. You need 45 seconds or a minute or longer. And they'll say, well, it's very irregular to run a 45-second advert. And so sometimes we get hung up on the first call, and I'm sitting there going, I want a 45-second ad. And it's kind of become this famous thing where Chris wants to run a three-minute ad, um, and the media owners are like, this isn't unheard of. Um, and so we do often agree a middle ground, um, but I think just knowing your own company, knowing what works, and not being afraid to be a little bit pushy, like in our case, ad length was one of the key things we pushed for. And then funnily enough, in the ad that we started with, there is a 30-second version, this was the 40-second version, and all you get in the extra 10 seconds is more British awkwardness. Uh, the 30-second, th we just cut 10 seconds of like awkward squirming, but for me, the extra 10 seconds of awkwardness is kind of what makes the ad, um, and maybe why it won the awards. Um, so I think fighting for your particular what works for you is important, and often you'll get there. Do you, ex do you expect this kind of funding model to pick up more now, given the current market conditions we, we are in right now. And we talked about this, but how do you actually feel as a founder and running what three words? How does it feel like for you? I mean, we've seen many valuations being slashed. Everyone talks about this correction in the market. Of course, different founders at different stage of growth, they experience this differently. How is it like for you? What's the sentiment like? And do you see yourself using this kind of funding option in the future? Um, yes, for sure. I mean, you had a slide up earlier showing, I think, the rise in corporate venture capital units. And TV companies, media owners are just like other companies who are starting corporate venture capital. It's just that cash is not changing hands. Their asset is changing hands, which is the media. Um, every business out there is now becoming more creative about how they want to invest in startups. And this model is very good. Also, what's happening in the downturn is that traditional media owners are feeling it because people are spending less, so their revenues are going down. So they are thinking, well, hey, if I can still get people spending with us, if we don't earn it in cash, but we'll earn it through equity in their companies, if you're a media owner, that's probably quite an attractive idea. So I think that's why we're seeing so many media owners starting these venture capital units, which are effectively media for equity. So. I think um, whilst funding is in a really tricky time globally and everyone's thinking, well, look, I still need to acquire consumers, need to acquire businesses. How can I do it? If I don't want to pay in cash, can I pay in equity? Um, this model's a really efficient way of doing this from, from both sides. I've just been told that we, uh, we would have to wrap up soon. But before we do that, does anyone have any questions for Chris or about what we just discussed right now? Good. Chris, it was lovely having you here. Thanks so much for sharing um, all the wisdom and insights that you've gathered over the last few years. Um, where can we find what 3 words What3Words.com or the What3Words app. Download it, find the three words for your front door. I hope you like them. It's in 53 languages, not just English. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. Thanks so much. And if anyone is interested to have a chat later about what we just discussed or interesting in, in the findings that we touched on earlier, you can find in the report or we can, you can just find us in the networking area, grab coffee and, and chat more. Thanks for your time and 
I think it's uh, that's it for us. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. As always, I really appreciate your support. You can find a full video episode on YouTube on the Media for Growth channel, or you can listen to it on Spotify, Google or Apple Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the Media for Growth newsletter to get all the insights from our latest shows, including the full interview script. See you next time.